there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 44 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we're reading chapter 22 of Offworlder, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to contact me, you can head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com. There's three ways to get in touch with me right there. Uh, you can do email, you can do Twitter, you can do Mastodon if you're a little bit odd. Good times. That's the only place I announce this show is on Mastodon. I don't know why still. Eh, I don't know why. I think I was kind of avoiding putting it on Twitter for a while because I don't know why. I actually don't have a reason. I think maybe on Twitter I'm a little too like closely related to my uh, professional um, persona, but... I don't know. Who gives a shit? Am I right? I should just put it on Twitter. I think also, like, I use Twitter, but uh, I, you know, I think I had some family following me on there. Probably wanted to avoid bringing this up because I don't really want questions about how bad these books are. <laughs> so if you'd like to buy Offworlder or its sequel, Bringing Balance which is much better, <laughs> you can head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com and there's links to the Amazon pages for both of these books. So you could get the box set. Uh, I know Glenn, my man Glenn, does have both books now on the shelf. I hope they're beside each other just because I think that looks pretty boss. They kind of match. I'll have to decide a color for the next book, which will come out sometime when I feel like it, because I got to get to it, you know what I mean? So for today's show, uh, we don't have any feedback, because, uh, so I had some ideas about today, right? So we're down to the last three chapters. We're doing 22, 3, and 4. That's all that's left. And I thought maybe I would delay, because I thought this chapter would be good to read with the, my lovely wife, Laura, but uh, she wasn't available, Today, like we want to do it on a Friday or not a Friday, not a Friday. Friday, we're both pretty tired. Saturday would be ideal because then we can both drink plenty. I think Laura's episode actually was very good. So uh, we're going to try that, I think, next weekend. We're going to try to squeeze that in and do a, uh, yeah, yeah, a couple's podcast. It's going to be great. Ooh, so if you have questions for the lovely Laura, please write in. You know, especially if they're related to me drinking too much while I do this podcast. Because the answer is yes, I do. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, today is especially... Well, okay. So, I was going to make today a little bit different. But I do want to point out, we are back on the couch today. Uh, I was going to do it at the desk. But I was just missing this couch in the basement here, in the live studio audience. Sorry. Right? So, we're up on stage here on the couch. Um, and in true alcoholic fashion... I brought down a nice glass of whiskey and the bottle. Because <laughs> I figured during this intro, I would probably run out of whiskey. Mm. Mm. Sorry about that. And we're going to get into what this whiskey is real soon. Aren't you excited? So, like I said, we had three episodes to go. This is one of the three, right? And I was thinking to delay it for Laura, I could possibly read like the first chapter, maybe, or the prelude of the totally unrelated book that I also wrote in a month called Soccer. 
I think. I think it's soccer with an exclamation point. Soccer! You know, you have to be excited when you say it. And uh, so I'm like, ah, I don't know. I thought it would be rad like around Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm like, oh, this will be fun to do that. So today I started dreading it. Like, uh, do I really want to do this? Because you definitely can't buy this book. And nobody ever will be able to, I think. So I was thinking about it. And I said, fine, I'll just look at the text. So uh, I opened, you know, the first chapter's file. And, oh, okay. So I didn't realize I had written it in the first person. So that was a doozy. Uh, I also used actual places near my house, which is also very, I don't know, disturbing. (laughs) Although there are things wrong with it. I think I imply that one of the soccer facilities, the indoor soccer facilities near me has walls, like, uh, like hockey rinks, and it doesn't, so... That's misleading. I guess that's something. (laughs) I don't know. I read the first... I read a little bit of it and I said, I can't. I can't read this. It's so bad. I was out of my mind just how upset I was. It was brutal. So, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. I don't really want to read that book. It's really bad. It's actually, like, unreadable because I believe the whole book is, like, eight chapters long. Like, that's it. And each chapter, like, describes in what I can only assume is terrible, in, like, a terrible method, just a terrible, terrible method, a complete, like, soccer game. I think there's, like, eight chapters, six soccer games. I don't even, I don't think it's readable. I did not read any of those chapters, and I really don't want to, but I'm very disturbed by it. I also think some of my name choices in that book were bad, too. I don't know. I don't, I think... That one, I still wrote like a little uh, key of who my who my characters were, so I could like reference them again, which uh, is probably a good idea if you're writing a book. <laughs> I didn't do that for any other books at all, ever. So yeah, definitely not Offworlder. That's why so many characters just get forgotten after I give them a name. Yeah, I thought that like. Uh, that was something I regularly did, but when I read Bringing Balance, we also found Frederick showing up constantly in the book, and I didn't know he was, so I just assumed he was named once, never named again. My bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think we're going to read any of soccer. It is not good. I was I was cringing in the prelude, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is so bad. Yeah, found like eight typos right away. We're just not going to do it. That book may never see the light of day. Maybe I'll put in my will that when I die, Laura has to read it in order to uh, take possession of my... What do I have that the lovely Laura would want? Basically nothing, because anything she wants is joint owned. Um, (coughs) I got it. To, it'd be in the will that in order to get rid of all my old computers, she has to read that book. Yeah, and she'll just be appalled by it. I think I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I decided we're not going to do that. So today we're back on the couch. We're just going to go ahead and read chapter 22. Laura, uh, I'm going to give you a little heads up. Chapter 23, somewhat exciting. Maybe a little bit uh, on the mushy side. Yeah, yeah, it's not... Maybe just at the end. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's kind of bad. We'll see. We'll see. But we're not there yet. I'm really getting ahead of myself with the hatred for this book. We got to read chapter 22 still, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's talk about chapter 22. All right. 
in Offworlder chapter 22 is six pages long. All right. As I teased last episode, we are going to find out who the bad guys are. So that's pretty exciting, I think. Um, although not particularly surprising, I'm guessing, for most people. Uh, I say most people like I have listeners. <laughs> okay, so that's misleading in itself. Doesn't matter. Um, so we find out who the bad guys are. Other than that, this this chapter, it's got some excitement, I think. A little bit. It's not... So I did write in my notes, it's not the best conclusion to this little subplot or whatever. It's, eh. All right, spoiler alert. Is this the spoiler alert? I don't know. I don't think the main plot of this book is the disappearing people. It barely appears in the book. What, the last, like, two chapters have been about that? Maybe? I don't know. So, I mean, this is a conclusion to what I guess would be a subplot, but it's not, like... It's not really the plot. I think we'll get into that. We're going to have to do a retrospective episode again. Apps of freaking lootly. Might be myself, though. I don't want to drag any other readers into this. This is so bad. Although, if you want to appear on it, let me know. We could have, like, uh, 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 what, what do we call this? Uh, World of Magic Fest? <laughs> and, like, all my listeners could come. And it would probably be just uh, Glenn and Laura, because I don't know that anybody else listens. Come on, write in. Let me know. <laughs> Go to jeffreadshisbook.com. I'm just excited to do this podcast today. I went, last night, uh, Laura and I went to a comedy show, and I got to meet, like, two people who do, uh, like, they were doing the comedy show, but they do two of my most favorite podcasts in podcast dumb podcasting podcast we'll do podcasting and they're amazing i got to meet uh joe list from uh tuesdays with stories and uh sarah tolamash from the vag podcast which both of these podcasts are amazing i especially love i don't know vag i'm just so into it's so, okay the podcast well and all right, let's move on. <laughs> I'm into the Vag podcast. It's very good. Uh, features Adrian Iapolucci as well, who, uh, she was in Cleveland, what do I want to say, maybe like two or three months ago. I remember I was washing dishes in my pajamas, and I'm listening to Vag, and she's like, I'm going to be in Cleveland on Wednesday. All right, this podcast got released like Tuesday night. It's Wednesday at like 6.35 I'm standing around looking like a piece of shit, and she opens in, what, 25 minutes downtown. I was so pissed. I was like, oh my god, I totally would have gone to see that show. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. So she needs to get her act together. But I got to meet the other half of Vag and Joe List. Yeah. Sarah Tolomash, Joe List. Check out those podcasts. They're bitching. I did not bring up my podcast, because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm feeling a little silly today. I'm very excited uh, Laura even enjoyed it. Uh, I hadn't been to a comedy club since maybe college. Yeah, probably that long ago. And it was a hoot. Yeah. If you're in the Cleveland area, Hilarities at uh, Pickwick and Frolic is outstanding. Yes, I highly recommend it. So I'm just feeling a little bit silly, a little excited. Got to get this podcast out. Very, very fun. My only issue now, though, is that I'm going to have to take a break. What? In January, because I don't have a book to read, right? I don't have it, like, published yet. So, what's the, what, what are the best options? You guys should write in and tell me what I should do. But, uh, I can get the next book in the Sandhill Mages series out the door. 
Uh, I'll edit it real quick, and we can probably start reading in like February or March. And it would be for sale. Uh, yeah, it'd be pretty bitchin'. But, I mean, then I'm going to, what, that'll wrap up. It takes like five months to do this, so... That'll wrap up in like September, so then I'll have October to relax. Then November, I gotta write a book to keep this podcast rolling. There's a lot of stress here. Maybe I should write a book in January or something. Should I mix it up? I don't know. I feel like it's cheating if it's not National Novel Writing Month. I'm just writing a bad book at this point. I've been through this, though. I don't know. I don't know. Write in with your opinions. What should I do? Because I don't want this podcast to end. I, alternatively, I guess I could start a different podcast. I do like doing podcasting, but I don't even care if anybody listens. The whole point is to make Laura laugh. And, you know, Glenn, if he listens. <laughs> I do think it's funny that um, we did have a third guest uh, this season. What, Justin was on? And he does not listen. <laughs> ah, Good times. All right. All right, so I guess we were talking about Chapter 22. Why don't we just go ahead and dive in to Chapter 22? So for today's episode, I am once again drinking a Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey Neat. Oh, it's delicious. Mm. Mm. I really highly recommend this stuff. Um, and as I mentioned, like a true alcoholic, the bottle is on the coffee table where my laptop and microphone currently are, because we're doing this, I'm thinking we're going to get through this glass. I mean, it's basically done, because I drank it during the intro a little bit, and while I set up to record the actual chapter. Very exciting. Mm. Oh, Buffalo Trace, so good. You people need to get some of this. I freaking adore it. Okay, let's, uh, let's start reading, huh? Let's do this. Whew, my throat's on fire. A little too much bourbon in me. All right. Henry. Oh, okay. Do we need to backtrack? I think we're good. All right. That was a real bad start. Let's try again. <laughs> Henry looked at the four groaning people covered in glassware, table, and chair parts and bits of wall with pure malice. He had no sympathy once he realized what they had been up to. He put his hand on a large box next, bleh, box next to him and patted its sides. So, who would like to start explaining what's going on, he asked. One of the men started to climb out of the rubble. Do you know who... I wouldn't move much further, Henry warned loudly. You can tell me right from where you are on the floor. That's a power move, right? He's just sitting down while these people are, like, groaning in pain. Good for Henry. Good for Henry. Okay. The man stopped crawling and stared Henry with rage in his eyes. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be stared at Henry with rage in his eyes. <laughs> You're in a lot of trouble, country mage. We don't answer to you. Hmm, not the answer I was looking for, Henry said calmly. He swiveled the box's tube around so that it pointed at the man on the floor. Do you remember they had this, like, box that shot light out of it and made people disappear? Or, conceptually, I guess that's what we can assume was happening. Eh, yeah, whatever. Uh, he swiveled the box's tube around. It doesn't even, like, sound... What do I want to say? 
It doesn't sound like I was very inventive with it. It's a box with a tube. I don't know, man. <laughs> this author sucks. Wait, he yelled, but Henry pulled back on a handle near the tube on the box. A bright white and blue light burst from the tube on the end of the box, and the man on the floor seemed to be sucked into it. Henry released the handle, and there was a loud snap as the light extinguished. Ooh, it's spring-loaded. Very nice. <laughs> it's like a mousetrap. <laughs> All right. Remaining, the remaining three looked on with wide eyes, horrified at what Henry had just done. All right, maybe one of you three would like to cooperate. I don't really know, page turn, exactly what this does, but it's good at getting rid of problems. One woman spoke up. Listen, it's just an artifact that the magistrates found. We were testing it. We were told to test it. Henry raised an eyebrow and looked at Margot, who looked back at Henry with a I told you so expression. All right, it should be an I told you so expression, am I right? Ugh. Sighing, he asked, what does it do, just vaporize people? We don't know, she said in a panic. We think it might. Shut up, the remaining man under the rubble scolded her. Ooh, you should be more respectful. I don't believe anyone is talking to you. Henry warned. You don't understand the forces at play, the man started, but never finished. While sitting, Henry thrust his right palm toward the man who seemed to freeze mid-sentence. Ooh, see, that's magic right there. Uh, Henry threw his hand towards the front windows of the tavern, and in the same motion, the man flew from the rubble, through the plate glass, and out onto the street, rolling to an unconscious stop in the middle of the road. Ooh, that's probably a concussion, yeah. He's going to have CTE. Yep. Let me have a little sippy here. Mm. Okay. I feel like putting the whiskey on the uh, table's too loud. So we're going to try it on the couch and risk spilling bourbon. Oh, you're right. You know what? This is a bad idea. Let's put it on the floor. All right. Here we go. Bup, 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 bup. Um, Henry was getting tired rapidly. He was expending quite a bit of magic to make a show for these people. He wanted answers quickly, and he was confident that a body in the street would help bring, would bring help with haste. All right, so why are the magistrates testing this, he asked. The other woman spoke. They, they want to use it as a weapon. Obviously, Margot scoffed. And you thought you'd test it out on some innocent villagers, Henry asked. We were told to do so, she exclaimed like Nazi guards. Jesus. This book stinks. <laughs> you seem to be having fun with it. To, uh, it's fun today with it, Henry countered. All right, let me read that again. You seem to be having fun today with it. It probably should be, you seemed to be having fun with it today. I think that would sound better reading it. Yeah. The two women remained silent. Henry knocked on and examined the box. What's inside? The first woman spoke again. It's a bottle, a glass bottle. It grows bright white. I think they have some sort of lens to direct its energy. I don't know too much about it. It's just some artifact they found in the Badlands. Henry nodded, examining the box again. 
Looking out the window, he saw four of the mages from his expedition, outside looking at the magistrate's man, in all red, lying in a heap in the road. Looking back at the woman, at the women, he asked, And how do I remove the artifact? You can't, one exclaimed. You can't touch it. Why? Henry asked, swiveling the box's tube towards her. Because it'll suck you in, too, she exclaimed. You can't open it, but you can't touch the bottle. You can open it, but you can't touch the bottle. The two mages, two mages, oh, God, sorry, I'm really having trouble reading. It's got to be the whiskey, which I'm going to sip right now. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, Two mages came rushing into the tavern at this point. Henry was pretty sure the man was McLeod, and the woman was Foligno, but he thought he would have the names backwards. But he thought he could have the names backwards. What happened? McLeod asked. We found the culprits, Margot said. Magistrates, apparently. McLeod stood with his mouth hanging open, but the woman, Henry guessed was named Foligno, walked briskly to the first of the two red-clad women and grabbed her by the collar, lifting her effortlessly from the rubble. Remember, they're all buried in table parts and chair parts. (laughs) How much rubble is there? (laughs) I'm picturing like this huge heap, but how could that possibly be the case? I don't know. Uh, Throwing the woman against the wall, Henry was pleased to see her growl. What the hell is wrong with you? The woman in red hung from her hand, horrified. Tell the two outside to secure the man in the street, Margot commanded McLeod. The authority in her voice snapped him back from his trance, and he rushed out the door. Foligno released the magistrate she held, and she toppled to the floor with a cry of pain. Henry guessed that he had broken her leg with his initial attack. Foligno dragged the other woman in red out and over to the now-crying woman. Don't even think about moving, she warned. How many more of you are in the village, Margot asked. There were another five lookouts. Ah, oh, the woman with the broken leg answered. There were another five lookouts, but they've probably fled at this point, Margot nodded. Margot nodded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought that was part of the quote. Sorry. <laughs> Henry stood and grabbed the heavy box by the straps. We have to destroy this, he said. Are you sure that's a good idea, Margot asked. I don't see any other option, he replied. What else could we do with it? Margot stared at him blankly for a moment. How are you going to do it, she asked. Henry knocked on the sides of the box, clearly made from some hard wood with metal-reinforced edges, and considered the options. All he really wanted to do was break it. Knowing that there was a glass bottle of some sort inside gave him an idea. Come with me, he said, He said, Margot. <laughs> you know what? This book has gotten considerably worse towards the end. <laughs> he said, to Margot, probably should be what's written there. Wow. Don't you think? I think the typo count is like way up in these later chapters. Jesus. It, uh, I don't know. Do I just get tired when I edit? What are you going to do? She asked warily. Trust me, this should work, he said. After a pause, he added, I think. Drinking break. Okay. So, 
Why don't we chat while I prepare this drinking break? Because I need to pour more whiskey. So exciting. Did you hear that pop? That was pretty sweet. Let's do that again. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's pour a little little bit of whiskey in this glass. And how are you guys liking this chapter? There's a little bit of magic, but not like a lot. And I guess we get to find out that uh, Henry's expedition partners, while maybe not most, like, adept mages, but that's based on his opinion. We actually don't know any of them. But not the most adept mages will assume. They do seem to be good guys, right? They were very mad about the magistrates. So that's something. I I think we're doing well here. Okay. Let's keep reading. Oh, I got to drink my new pour here. Mmm. This is great. I feel like this uh, this episode's a little bit off the rails. What do you guys think? Write in at jeffreadsbook.com. Margot followed Henry outside as he was as he carried the awkward wooden box with outstretched tube. There were now five other mages outside. Two walked briskly up to Henry and Margot. The magistrates were doing this. He asked in disbelief. Margot nodded. Those sons of bitches, he said, trailing off. (laughs) Is that what they were using? The other asked, pointing at the box Henry carried. Yep, Henry said. It has some sort of artifact inside, but they've rigged it up as a weapon. Watch, he pointed the tube down the street and away from everyone and pulled back on the handle, sending the light rushing from the tube end. He released the handle and it closed with a snap. What are you going to do with it? asked the other mage. Destroying it, he said, looking at them. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay, I misread, all right. What are you doing with it, the other mage asked. Destroying it, he said, looking at them, both nodded with grave faces. Margot walked beside Henry, followed by the mages she remembered as Naseeb and Thinny, out of the village and towards a pasture just beyond the main thoroughfare through town. (laughs) It <laughs> doesn't have any directions in it, though. That's kind of a bummer, right? I wonder if that was in a northerly direction. <laughs> uh, they encountered no further resistance, which seemed to verify the theory that the other magistrate's men had fled. However, she still didn't feel relieved at having solved this mystery. The object Henry carried concerned her greatly. She touched his free arm lightly, and he looked at her, as they reached the fence surrounding the pasture. Henry, she said softly, be careful, all right? Did you like that? That was softly. (laughs) She was quite concerned that he could hurt himself in the process of destroying the artifact. It's all right, he responded. We'll both be far from it when it's destroyed. Henry stopped at a fence. Well, no, it was the fence just a second ago. That's kind of stupid, right? As they reached the fence surrounding the passenger. Okay, Henry, yes. Uh, All right. And Margo looked at him quizzically. What are you going was all she was able to say before Henry heaved the hard effect with a good bit of magic to assist him hundreds of feet into the air above the pasture. She followed the box as it tumbled up into the blue skies and reached a peak so high that it appeared only as a black dot against the sky. 
As it started its rapid descent, she could see that it would clearly smash into the ground a quarter mile from where they stood. Wow, that's pretty specific. Uh, For anybody who's in our European audiences, a quarter mile is like a kilometer or a kilometer, as some people might call it. But uh, only it's better because it's longer and it makes more sense. Blah, blah, blah. All right, all right. I'm not sure anybody likes my units of measure comedy. (laughs) I do. It amuses me to no end. (laughs) Uh, Her eyes were glued to the object as it rapidly fell end over end towards the green grass. When it smashed into the ground, there was a burst of light so bright she had to divert her eyes. As the light subsided, she blinked as her eyes attempted to recover, and she saw Henry doing the same. She smiled at him for a moment, but was suddenly distracted by the confused murmurs of a crowd of people. Looking back into the pasture, she could now she could see now that it was filled with people slowly rising groggily from the ground as if just awakened from a nap. I am going to have a drink, even though it's not a drinking break. Mm. I should not be drinking this neat on a Saturday or Sunday. We gotta go out after this. Ah, Christmas shopping and all that bullshit. Margot's jaw dropped. Oh my, was all she could say. Looking at Henry, she saw that he had the same reaction. She flung her arms around him in joy as the two other mages with them started grabbing him by the shoulder, making shaking him in congratulations. That's not written from like first person perspective. I've never done anything to get shakes on my shoulder. <laughs> Seems kind of like a sport thing to do, you know what I mean? More members of their expedition came charging down the street, some who weren't even scheduled to be in the village today, to see what had happened. They all looked on in wonder as the people in the pasture began to recover their full awareness, hugging friends and family as they realized they were safe. Aww. Looking out in the field, Margot spotted a red-cloaked man starting to stand. Margot was about to yell, to stop him, but she quickly saw that it was unnecessary. He was tackled by multiple men in the field. Everyone who had been trapped had seen their captors a split second before they were sucked in by the artifact's inexplicable power. She smiled and kissed Henry on the cheek. Good work, she said to Henry, ignoring the growing crowd around them. You too, he responded. I couldn't have done it without you. We're quite the team. Aw, <laughs> come on, off-worlder, let's go home, she said as she took his hand and turned to leave. Aw, and that ends chapter 22. So that was a pretty exciting chapter, right? There was a little bit of magic. Uh, we solved the disappearing people conundrum, I guess. Conundrum? That's a good word. Uh, that's exciting. And I think a lot of people who are listening to this podcast, if they're just listening to this episode, maybe, they're going to be like, well, that must have been the climax, right? Well, this is my spoiler alert, not the climax. Very exciting. Yes, because we all know that this plot line that we're talking about today, definitely not the main plot, right? I mean, it was brought up occasionally throughout the story, but let's be honest, 
the plot is just about Henry and Margot, right? It's not about anything else. So, yeah. So, I mean, there was some excitement in this chapter, but if you think this is the end of the book, ooh, stay tuned for next week on Jeff Reads' book. Yeah, we're going to try to get Laura on that one. That's what I want to do. Yeah, we'll probably... You know what? We have like an overabundance of wine, so I think instead of bourbon next week, I'm going to just... Laura and I will just kill a bottle of wine while we do this podcast. <laughs> I think that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... uh Good chapter, I think. All in all, not a lot of, like, what do I want to say, story problems. It was more more typos. There were a lot of typos. There were a lot of named people that don't matter, so why do they have names? Uh, I think the whole, like, uh, gun, box gun thing that they were using with the tube. A lot of tube. I must have been really into the tubes at the time, right? Talk to you later all right i'm not going to sing that song but that is by the tubes look it up it's terrible the video is even worse than you can imagine but uh yeah i mean it was all right i feel like it was kind of a if it hadn't been right at the end of the book it would have been fine if it was like in the middle eh, maybe this plot line or this little subplot would have been okay this book needs a little work I don't think it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's a book about work romance. <laughs> what do you want to do? I, I don't have any other explanation for it. I think the sequel to Bringing Balance, which uh, Homecoming, I think, is the name of the book. Huh? How about that? Yeah. I think that book is probably more exciting and better, but the plot is just as poorly thought out. And what do I want to say? Like, I forget things in that book a lot, too. There's, there was clearly no outline. <laughs> but, you know, that's for next year, next calendar year at the very least. So we're not going to talk about that today. What we are going to talk about are the discussion questions for today. Okay, let's do this. All right. Question one. All right. So after Henry, like, knocked out these... Four, right? Four. Four bad guys in the tavern. They were under a pile of rubble. Now, all right, my beef with this is it's a tavern. So I think the book starts with this. Let's, let's read what they, what this rubble was, right? Oh, Jesus. I went way too far back. Uh, Henry looked at the four groaning people covered in glassware table and chair parts, and bits of wall with pure malice. Okay, so the rubble is comprised of glassware, parts of tables and chairs, and bits of wall. So how much rubble do you think there is? I think in my mind, I'm picturing like cartoon level, like rubble, you know, where they don't actually want to draw it. So it's like a gray pile of shit with a head sticking out of it. That's kind of what I was thinking it looked like, but it's a tavern, so I don't think there's, like, dirt. Unless, well, honestly, you know what? They might have drywall in the world of magic, so it was probably some drywall on them because they got thrown against that one wall, so a little sheetrock on them, yeah. <laughs> I bet that's some of it, yeah. All right, so there's a little bit of sheetrock, table and chair parts. Now, it's a whole restaurant. Or tavern. So there's going to be a lot of tables and chairs. It seems kind of roomy the way they were walking around it earlier. So 
I picture this tavern as actually a very well-lit, nice place. Nice eatery, except everybody's missing, and now Henry destroyed it, which is going to be tough to claim on your insurance forms, right? Uh, I was kidnapped, but a person who can control magic, some sort of wizard, destroyed my entire restaurant while I had been kidnapped by magic. <laughs> but they not the two aren't related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, the insurance company would probably prefer that he stayed in that glass bottle. Yeah. So I picture him under like a huge pile, but I don't think that's possible. I don't know. What do you think? How much rubble could there possibly be? Ah, well, whatever. Okay. Question two. I actually did these out of order because you know, I try to keep it like in line with how it appeared in the story to some degree at least. All right. Question two. How big is this box and tube combination thing? All right. So let me tell you what I thought when I was writing it. And this sounds really awkward and terrible, but I thought it would be like a, like a big rectangular box. Let's say it's like, I don't know, like a foot, a foot and a half in one direction, a foot, foot and a half wide, and then maybe like six inches, wait, foot and a, a foot tall, foot and a half wide or long, and six inches wide, something along those lines. Like, really awkward sized. And it's made out of wood. So, yeah, I wasn't thinking like a three-inch box. I was thinking something big. And then the tube, because of that, I, I feel like I was picturing my, uh, my shop vac. I can take the blower mechanism off and attach the hose to it, and I can use it to, like, blow leaves. It's really lame. It's not a good shop vac. I think years ago, I used it to suck up something dusty. And at this point, I can't use it in the house. All it does is blow dust everywhere constantly. It's disgusting. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. I do like having a shop vac. Don't get me wrong. You know what shop vacs are good for? Cleaning your grill. (laughs) You take that grill off and just run that along the burners. Oh, yeah. That picks up a lot of shit. Anyway... I kind of pictured the tube like a three, three and a half foot long, like shop vac. That's a meter for our European listeners. And if you want to know how wide the box is, fucking, I don't know, Google it. (laughs) Foot and a half. That's like, what, half a meter? God damn it. Use regular units of measure like we do here. Right. All right. So, uh, so... By my dimensions, it's, like, bizarrely awkward, don't you think? Like, it's hard to carry around. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about it while I was reading it today, and it could be even, like, that tube sticking out of the front could be, like, a shotgun barrel. Kind of, like, it would be long still, but very narrow. And then, like I implied, the box could be small. There's no dimension given to the box. It's described as awkward, so what is that? Yeah, I mean, it could be like six inches wide or, you know, something like that, which is like a sixth of a meter. Jesus Christ, you Europeans. Stop writing in. Ugh. And then, uh, and Canadians. What are you guys doing up there? Use miles like regular people. Uh, I don't know. So what do you think? How is this box shaped? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'll stick. I can't get out of my head my original premise of it being ginormous. But, and super awkward. I don't know. Let me see if this whiskey helps me answer that. It didn't. Okay, let's move on to question three. Mm. Okay, question three. Oh, 
All right, this is more of a trivia question. So you guys are going to have to do some research. All right, so there were four last names in this chapter. Where are these last names from? How did I come up with them? Can you answer the question? I know where they're from. And I'm so excited. And you guys are not going to know where it's from. Laura might. Laura could, and I'm going to give a big hint here. It's something that I enjoy, but almost nobody else does. That should be a big clue to Laura where these last names are from. I think she'll get it. She'll get it. Uh, and, you know, bonus points if you can tell me who I'm talking about, like where these last names exactly are from. Yeah, but uh, I I think last chapter, in a little bit of a fit of embarrassment, I said, where are these names from? They're all from this. So, I let, well, what other names did I have? So, in this chapter, we had uh, McLeod, Foligno, uh, Nasib, and I kept saying Thinny. I think it would be pronounced Thinay. Tinay, Tinay, I don't know. Look it up. If you guys can figure it out, that would be huge. And maybe not last chapter. Chapter before, there were some last names. Uh, ooh, yeah, there's a... Well, I don't know that one. Easton and Zabrinsky. Well, the only other... Well, just figure it out. I don't want to... I don't want to go back. Jesus Christ, people. Um... So yeah, bonus points if you can figure it out. Yeah, And then when we have World of Magic Fest, I'll buy a round of drinks for anybody who can tell me where those names are from. If you follow me on Twitter, not hard to figure out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Go to Twitter at uh, Fortran Jeff. Ooh, should we just dive right into that? Okay. So if you got comments about this episode, you can hit me up on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. And uh, let me see if you want to email me. It's jba at sdf.org. Literally the only person who's emailed me is the lovely Laura. And she doesn't even use that email address. So what the hell, people? Come on. And then uh, you you don't even have to... What do I want to say here? Just tell me you listen. I don't care. You don't even have to answer the questions. You know what? The lack of people telling me they listen might be, uh, what do I want to say, an indication that nobody listens? Yeah, that's probably about accurate. Yeah. Uh, and if you're on Mastodon, it's jba at mastodon.sdf.org. I don't think anybody uses that. I always post my podcast on there, and I don't think anybody ever replies to that or likes it or anything like that. Maybe right at the beginning, some people liked it, but you know what they did? They probably downloaded an episode and said, woof, I'm not coming back to this. <laughs> I should really start putting this on Twitter. I think that's more fun. Should I put it on Facebook and just like blow the minds of everybody who's my quote friends? All my Facebook friends are just like, uh, it's people I went to school with. I don't talk other than my sisters and my mom and dad. I literally speak to, oh, no, no. And uh, I speak to a few coworkers. I'm not going to get into that. Coworkers, but uh, on t- in real life. But other than that, I don't speak to anybody on Facebook that's like actually a friend in real life. That never happens. I don't know. I feel like if I post it on Facebook, that's a little too connected for me. Twitter is, 
that's a little easier to do. But it would kind of blow the minds, I think, of people in my high school class. You know what? Why don't we do that this week? Let's fuck with some people and just post the Jeff Reads His Book podcast. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. I love it. Oh, it's so bad. You know what? It might be all this Buffalo Trace talking right now, but it does sound like a fun idea. I don't know. <sighs> I have to remember, though, the whole point of this is to make my lovely wife, Laura, laugh. And I hope she is right now while she's at work addressed again in this podcast. Guess what, Laura? We're going to do this next week because we don't have a comedy show to go to. So it's just going to be the two of us in the upstairs um, studio, a.k.a. the dining room. And we are going to kill, I don't know, what kind of wine do you want? All right, discussion question four. This is a good discussion question. All right, so for next episode, let's assume the lovely Laura is going to be on it. Laura is a huge fan of red wines. Dark red wines, no sweetness. She likes it nice and dry. All right. Not Merlots, though. She doesn't like Merlots. Okay. So we have quite the buildup of wine bottles in our basement for, I don't know, circumstances led to this. We used to be very protective of Canadian wines we'd buy in Canada, but I think this last time we brought back a baker's dozen of bottles... (laughs) I mean, we didn't. We definitely didn't, unless the statute of limitations is up, because I think that violates, like, freaking tax law. But whatever. Anyway. (laughs) So, right now, I'm looking at our wine rack. We have 11 here in the live studio, in the basement studio. So, okay. What should we drink? We have Canadian Olympic wine. Should we kill that bottle on Saturday? Uh, We have... All right, we have some Firelands Winery in Sandusky, Ohio. We went last weekend, almost died on the way there, but we made it. And uh, yeah, email, yeah, email the show for more details. It was pretty exciting. Uh, but we have a whole shit ton of Firelands wine. They are one of the few wineries that grow like uh, noble grapes in Ohio. They're very good. Yeah. So we have like a Cab Sav, a Cab Frank. Uh, what do we got from Firelands? Pinot Noir, I think we got up there. Um, I have a Dolcetto that I've been drinking. Firelands Dolcetto, if you like the taste of trees, is amazing. Yeah, it definitely tastes like the barrel it was aged in. All right, so we get all that. Uh, we have a 13th Street Pinot Grigio. I can see that out. That's delicious, but it's from Canada. We have a... Uh, Henry of Pelham Spec Family Reserve Baco Noir from Canada. It's pretty spectacular, but it's also like $23 retail, so don't get too excited. <laughs> I can get their regular Baco Noir for like $12 at the grocery store. It's amazing. And then Laura has, it's a, I think a Pinot Noir in a triament, triment, tri- I don't know what that word is. She has a Pinot Noir and uh, the one that starts T-R-I from, uh, I enrolled her in a wine club. So she got those for free and they both look delicious. So discussion question four, which wine should we open? Laura, you're allowed to write in with this. <laughs> I'm pretty excited for, like, we have a lot of Firelands right now we got to get through that it's clogging up the wine rack we got to do this so 
Yeah, I think we might be doing that, but let me know. I don't know. Firelands is easy to get, so we drink it faster, but that Canadian Olympic wine, it's from Pelletary Estates. And I think when we bought it, a dollar went to the Canadian Olympic team, which, as an American citizen, I'm down with. Because they send their women's soccer team. That's a big hint. Just That's a big hint. That's all I'm saying. They sent their women's soccer team to the Olympics. They're amazing. They're the best soccer team ever. Ever. Anyway, um, so I absolutely bought that while I was at Pilateri. Yeah. It's amazing. Um you guys all have to go to Niagara on the Lake. Ah, uh, if you like alcohol, you have to go there. It's not even just a wine thing. It's great drinking. Yeah, good times. If you don't drink booze, eh, I wouldn't go. Because <laughs> that's really what it's about. Ah, eh, what are you going to do? So, I think that wraps up the episode. Did I already give the contact? All right. Fortran Jeff on Twitter. JBA at Mastodon at sdf.org on Mastodon, jba at sdf.org as email. And that is our episode for today, folks. I'm going to finish this glass of whiskey because I'm way too giddy. And the lovely Laura is expected home in 17 minutes. So until next time, keep on reading. (laughs) 